Hello, everyone. This is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming, as always, the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message coming to you from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado, still snow-covered. In fact, I'm not even sure if you can call it snow anymore. It got so cold that it's like crunchy ice. I tried walking out on my uh, driveway to take some garbage out, and it's like it's very thick. We got at least a six, eight inches of snow on the ground, but you 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 crunch through it like it's uh, some kind of a hard, crusty thing. We were at minus ten all day yesterday, so maybe that's a part of it. But it's warming up today. My thermometer here says sixteen, so that's actually you know the dogs can stay out for more than five minutes at a time. But thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday, January the 16th, 2024. And we're so delighted to have back for the first time this year our technological guru, so to speak, Shane, uh, who's going to be talking to us about technological trends in 2024. Uh, but before we get to that, just a reminder of what we uh, have on the slate for this week. Yesterday, we had a fascinating interview with Dr. Randall Price on where is the Ark of the Covenant and I got to tell you, having studied this and, and Hebrew Old Testament history for 30 years, being in uh, ministry and in academics, I think it was the most succinct, well-put-together description and discussion of the history of the Ark of the Covenant, leading us up to what's going on in Israel today with the uh, temple rebuilding project and all of that, that I've ever heard. And of course, Dr. Price, is that's one of his fields of expertise. But I hope you'll go back and catch that one. Our Premier members can watch the video of it on our Premier subscriber page. And uh, if you're not a Premier subscriber, I encourage you to check that out at our online store. You get the video version of all of these podcasts, but the audio of that is available to the general public. And then uh, later this week, we've got Pete Garcia on to talk about hot spots politically, internationally, and prophetically uh, in the coming year. And then Alex Newman will be with us on Friday uh, talking about Schwab, Davos, and the devil, all about the World Economic Forum and giving us a report on their annual meeting that's going on as we speak, this very week, they're meeting for their annual meeting. They, they meet several times a year with regional things and other you know, workshops and symposiums, but this is their annual uh, get-together. So can't wait to talk to Alex about that. Before we bring on uh, Shane, we always like to look at a verse, and I was in Proverbs chapter 16 today. And you know, uh, I, we've talked a lot on this program about uh, you know the upsurge in paranormal activity. Uh, I deal with that in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, a couple of chapters there that deal with all sorts of manifestations of evil spirits and Satan's attempt to tr try to uh, you know, do reconnaissance missions and work with his earthly co-conspirators as well as with his evil celestial beings to try to further his agenda of taking over this world. So we know that at the closer we get to the return of the Lord, the more of an increase in this type of thing we're going to see. And one example of this is what we talked about recently with the Miami incident, and we were privileged to have L.A. Marzulli on to kind of give us his take on that. I talked about it in a couple of other uh, you know, venues, but we're not exactly sure what to make of all that. I mean, there's a lot of evidence on both sides. Was this uh, uh, somewhat of a, a mundane, normal incident? Um, a lot of indications that that's not the case. I mean, you don't generally send 50-plus police cars uh, just because there's a, a gang fight. Uh, so I think there's a lot to consider there. Uh, we may never know what's really going on, but it sure seems to me to have a lot of the earmarks of a of a manifestation of 
uh, you know, spiritual beings. In this case, it would be hybrids, uh, Nephilim and, and so forth, with reports of, you know, giants being manifested there in that mall. So uh, who knows? I know I've gotten a lot of emails about it. I've tried to look at it. But in this age of misinformation and disinformation, sometimes it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff. But that just is a reminder that it is a spiritual battle. Uh, and we are facing, you know, a, a formidable foe. And of course, we know he's already defeated. We know greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Um, but it's a reminder. And so when I think about that spiritual battle and Satan's co-conspirators, both in the spirit realm and in flesh and blood, uh, I love it when I read verses like Proverbs 16, verse 4, which says, the Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. And that word doom is a Hebrew word. It's got a lot of nuances, but as I looked at some of the lexical entries, it was interesting to me that one of the entries for that word in the New American Standard lexicon was, quote, to pasture or graze. In other words, to put out to pasture. And someday, that's what's going to happen to Satan and all of his wicked minions. They are going to put out, be put out to pasture. In fact, it's even worse than that. They're going to be destroyed and tormented day and night forever and ever, as the Bible tells us. But then in Job, when Job was responding to one of his critics, Zophar, he says this in Job 21.30, For the wicked are reserved for the day of doom. They shall be brought out on the day of wrath. Now, that's a different Hebrew word for doom. It's even stronger. It, it means heavy misfortune or an act that has disastrous consequences. And we always like to remind Satan and put him on notice that his actions, however hurtful and painful and devastating they may be in this battle, they are going to have disastrous consequences for him because the day of God's wrath is coming. And so I just want to give you that reminder and encouragement this morning. Never forget who wins in the end. Never forget we're on the side of true righteousness and justice from Almighty God. Well, Shane, I'm sure part of Satan's agenda this year, this uh, fateful year with so much going on with the election and so forth, we just had the Iowa caucuses, uh, I'm sure part of his agenda involves technology. So welcome back to the program. Hope you had a, a great to Christmas and your New Year's off to a start. But let's talk about some of the technological trends this year. Okay, sounds good. Of course, we're going to use our familiar green, yellow, red format. So we'll have uh, a few stories here in uh, each of those categories. Uh, the green are, we think, good. Yellow, you know, we need to, to be a little bit concerned about, you know, keep, keep an eye on it, see which direction it's going to head. <clears throat> and then, of course, the red is something that's very concerning. So with uh, that in mind, um, this is an interesting one. I'd mentioned in the past how one of the changes coming to technology and to AI in particular is a change of the hardware side. When you look at a tool like ChatGPT, that was really a vindication of the transformer model, which was a architecture for AI um, that, that Google actually came up with, uh, published a paper on, and I believe it was 2017. And um, so what we're, we're, we're moving to now is where the hardware that this software runs on is being optimized to support AI functions better. And so uh, one of the interesting developments there is a new type of transistor, that, that little uh, bitty part, if you will, inside of computers, um, that, that, that smallest uh, logical unit there inside of a, a, a computer chip, um, where they can simulate what a synaptic 
um, connection is like in our brain. So they're calling it a synaptic trans, uh, transistor. And this will be able to simulate a human brain much better. Um, one of the things that's that's incredible about human brains is how efficient they are. So when you look at how many watts of energy it takes to run your brain versus the amount of calculations it can do, it's incredibly efficient. We have nothing remotely close to that that kind of efficiency. And so with this um, new type of transistor, they can, as they're building it, as they're, they're fabricating these transistors, they can stack the materials, if you will, in a specific pattern that allows information to both be processed and stored in the same operation at the same time. So that cuts down on, in theory, power requirements. It improves efficiency. It's just going to be a tremendous change in power if this plays out properly. Um, wow. I, you know, we're, we're, you know, we, it, it's one thing for it to work in the lab. It has to work in the real world in production environments. But this is a really interesting uh you know, really interesting development. And what this will specifically probably help with is um, things where you have to have this real-time recognition of changes in the environment, like with computer vision for something like a self-driving car. Mm -hmm. So this type of technology, if it plays out, is going to be a game changer. Yeah, that's interesting. So obviously, in, you know, in the technological age, when we started having personal computers and so forth, we've we've all seen how every time there's a new rollout, it, things get a little better, a little faster, a little more efficient. So this is just one more step, but it sounds like it's a pretty giant step um, and uh, and something that will really, uh, you know, make some improvements on some of our, our, our tools and devices and things like that, right? Absolutely. And, and without a change like this, AI will not continue to grow in its complexity. One of the one of the challenges that um, is is coming is for AI to continue growing using the existing technology. We're going to run out of we're going to run out of electricity. We could run out of data. You, you know, and I've mentioned some some efforts being made in other areas to to try to prevent these issues from from stopping the rate at which AI is developing. Um, well, this is one of those changes that can help with with power. Yeah, um, I, I saw in the news, I think it was in upstate New York, uh, some of those uh, stations where you can plug your electric cars in and they were all just shut down because it was so sure. cold, they, they, the yeah. machinery wouldn't work. So, yeah, that's uh, we're going to see more and more of that for sure. So um, related to that is there's a, um, a university, the Western Sydney University in Australia. They have created a supercomputer named Deep South, and it's not alive yet if you will I shouldn't use that word alive it's not online yet <laughs> um but uh it, it, it next year it should uh uh or, or within a year it should come online um and it's going to have 228 trillion synaptic operations per second so this is a human brain level supercomputer um and and while i don't think it's going to actually perform at the level of a human brain yet it's going to be very very close and this will probably create some breakthroughs that will lead to that computing platform that will be much more powerful than a human, where we could have certainly AGI and maybe even artificial superintelligence. Mm. Yeah, so. you know, we laugh about saying alive, but it really is getting to the point where 
and I think you've got a story about this uh, coming up with with uh, embodied AI, where you almost need to to ask the people you're talking to, can you prove you're real? I mean, like prick their finger and see if they bleed or something. But I mean, even that, you you, you know, I, I saw a, st a story on one of those true crime documentaries one time about a doctor who was had committed a murder, like unrelated to his practice, just, you know, murder in the house or something. But he, because of his medical knowledge, when they drew blood from him uh, under court order to try to test his DNA, he was able to go in and insert in his arm, the place where they would take the blood, a tiny little tube with clean blood from somebody else with different DNA to, wow. you know, to kind of dodge the system and the nurses and the people drawing the blood, no one noticed it. So I guess they could even create an AI robot that has an outer layer of human blood or something. So you, it's going to be, it's going to be hard, especially in that future tribulation period, the times of greatest deception, Jesus said, uh, to differentiate reality from, uh, from fiction, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's uh, um, that's a wild story, by the way, <laughs> about the guy with the fake blood. I in mean, his arm. it was unbelievable, and and it was funny. They they actually showed it, you know, because the room that he was being taken, having the blood taken from him, was at a police station, and those were all recorded, and so they actually had footage of him doing it. And he they they started to do one arm, and he goes, no, 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 that arm store used this one, and he he wanted them to make sure they took it from that arm, and uh, he did it actually three times three times and all three times he dodged the system and they ended up catching him some other way and then it all came out but uh yeah it's amazing wow so so the next story is not as dramatic as, <laughs> as that one um so we, we've talked in the past uh, about embodied ai when ai systems are given bodies you know robotic bodies to move around in so um there, there's so many uh, companies coming out with with these platforms. Here's another one, Foyer Intelligence. They have a humanoid-looking robot. So it's not like what we've seen on uh, stories about Amazon's warehouse robots, you know, that are look like kind of like a giant moving hockey puck that moves entire shelves to the workers. This is a humanoid-looking robot called the GR1. It's five foot four inches tall, roughly, and about 120 pounds. And it can walk at about three miles an hour and carry up to 110 pounds. Mm -hmm. So its weight to how much it can carry ratio is is not bad. And it's designed for uh, working in educational facilities or doing customer service. Uh, it could do entertainment. It could do healthcare, maybe help with uh, patients and nursing or household tasks. Um, and so, um, so this is you know we we are about to see possibly in 2024 certainly by 2025 but you know could could have a good chance in 2024 of an explosion of these humanoid looking robots that are powered by ai and can do useful things around your house or around your office um it's it's hitting this year um cer certainly by next year but probably this year and it's going to change so many different things as a matter of fact i saw i think it was one of <clears throat> excuse me, one of Google's Androids um, recently doing a demo. Oh, no, 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 right? it was Tesla's. It was uh, their Optimus um, uh, robot. And it was folding clothes, like in a retail type setting. Like you might, you know, get the shirts ready to go in a stack on display. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is really going to change the labor market. Now, um, in the past, here's a question for you. In the past, when we've had new technological advancements, you know, even even going way back to where it's just like 
you know, ATM machines or, or other types of stuff. It seems like they've they've been rolled out with with quite a few glitches and you know customers would there would be some delays and they weren't that seamless. When we get to the point where, uh, like I know another application of these embodied AI, as you mentioned in the medical industry, you know, when you go to the ER or to the doctor, sometimes they'll have a, a person come in with a wheeled cart to get all your information, right? They're typing in your name and all this. Well, I could see that easily being an AI type person. Yeah. But when these are more prevalent in real world, are we going to, is it going to be a sluggish start or are we better now at, you know, making sure these things are pretty much ready to go. Well, I think something that has changed is our ability to, well, of course, there's just been general advancements and at every level. I don't care if we're talking about the mechanics of that robot moving, um, the um, computer vision systems are so much better. But, but, but one of the things that's a real game changer is with the advancements in large language models, which has primarily been the type of AI we've been most focused on in the past you know, year or so, um, that is a tremendous user interface to whatever the system is that's in, in question. So, you know, thinking about in terms of interacting with this robot, this Android, um, if that Android can employ a large language model to uh, understand and communicate with me or, or whoever, that's a tremendous uh, improvement. Mm -hmm. So so this will be a, a very different type of AI, robotic AI rollout than what we've seen in the past. And are there some places already in the world, like I'm thinking China and others, where it's already pretty much the norm that the average person is interacting with embodied AIs in everyday life? Large aspects of Chinese life are mediated by technology um, in a way that that we're not used to here. Um, I'm how much of that is AI? I'm not sure. And and also, there's a line here where I might have I might have a technology that's not technically AI. It's just some very advanced algorithms and a pretty limited you know range of what it can do. But you know, in the context of, of that interaction, it's fully mediated by technology, but it's not technically AI. Mm. It's just you know good good uh, algorithms. Um, we probably see some of that, but but what's coming is going to be the, um, you know, the interesting part. But but China is probably that model. All right, what's next? So next, um, this will be our final uh, green story here. Um, and and sometimes what goes into the green are the the things that are goofy or just don't matter that much. And so that's what this story is. Uh, there's a company called Layered Reality um, who is bringing out. Um, I believe it comes out this year. Uh, pretty soon here, um, a, uh, a a production called Elvis Evolution. So they have a digitally created hologram of Elvis Presley, and he's going to be performing some of his most famous songs and dance moves. So you will think you're seeing him up on stage, and it uses AI and other technologies to seem like you're really witnessing Elvis in person. So supposedly the AI can bring some some nuances to that holographic image that make it much more believable than other holographic productions of, of other musicians. And we've seen those with, um, you know, with, with uh, uh, I believe Whitney Houston had one and, and, and there've been a few other ones. 
Um, so supposedly this is going to be a, a, a much better, much more um, realistic version and probably solves that uncanny valley thing we've discussed in the past. Um, now, typically, uncanny valley is applied towards a humanoid looking robot. I'm assuming there's an aspect of that with these holographic presentations um, where, you know, the closer you're able to examine this artificial human looking thing, those little bitty things that are off in it become more magnified to you, as it were, the closer you are to it. So, so I think what, um, um, we'll see two things here. One is just in the area of entertainment, um, you know, this technology will be good. Um, it'll, it'll make some very convincing, uh, kinds of, um, animations for people. The flip side, of course, where this could go into a different color category is how could you abuse it, mm -hmm. right? And that's a question we have to ask with any sort of technology. Yeah, so bottom line is if you get your tickets to the Elvis concert, you want to sit middle to the back, right? Middle, middle to the back so you don't yeah. get fooled by, uh, yeah. by yeah. charming the hologram is. So I, I tell you what, I mean, that's pretty fascinating, and it is interesting, especially if it's an artist that you that you like. I'm just waiting for them to create embodied Dallas Cowboys that can actually win a playoff game. Uh, how how there, close are we to that? That's there, what I would there, there are limitations to technology, J.D. Apparently, yeah. apparently so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I'm sure Musk will be working on it soon to uh, solve that problem. <laughs> you know, you'll get a kick out of this, but it's Tuesday, literally – this that moment right there was the first moment that I've actually been able to even articulate anything about the Cowboys. I was so devastated that I just I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't respond to the slew of texts I got from good-natured people trying to give me a hard time, but I'm finally I think far enough away that I can at least try to joke about it. <laughs> now, notice I sent nothing to you. I know you know me. That's right. I, it might put me over the edge. That's some really good Cowboys memes, but I didn't send any of them. So, <laughs> thank you for that. That's true friendship, right there, bro. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. So now we're going to move on to the yellow here, uh, and this next one is an article that um, uh, was published in the Canadian uh, Yahoo News, um, and it was an article addressing the growing concern that people are having about humanoid robots coming into the workforce and it replacing human workers. And, um, and, and they, you know, the article mentioned a few uh, companies, Agility Robotics, Aptronic, and Amazon using robots to help deal with warehouse labor shortages. And, um, and basically the article saying, yeah, look, there's going to be a few jobs, but don't worry about that are lost, but don't worry about it. Um, that is, it's really not going to be a big issue. And, and, and the reason I put this on here isn't so much what the article was saying, uh, you know, in that it's giving us some some good information. This article concerns me, and there, there's I'm noticing a number of them where they're saying, "Yeah, AI is coming. Will a few unfortunate souls be replaced? Sure, but overall, it's not going to get your job. It's going to make life better for you." Mm. While I fully believe that as we start to um, work through what I call the leverage phase of AI, where, you know, AI starts to become widely available, which it's here now. Um, it's, it's, it's here. It's not coming in the future. Um, it's built into our tools now. It's pervasive. Um, it's going to do some things for us. It's going to make life better. And it absolutely can do that. Um, but at some point, and we have a story coming up that I think outlines that, 
um, it is going to cost jobs. Um, and it's going to cost white collar jobs and it's going to cost blue collar jobs. Yeah. You've so, been consistent on that for the last year. And of course you're not alone, but you're right. I think there are some out there that are kind of taking the opposite position. Oh, it's not going to be that bad, but no, I, I think, you know, you've been spot on all along. So now we're going to move into the red section here and I'm going to change the order of a couple of stories here because this new order is going to be better. Um, so, so while that that previous article that that was in the Canadian Yahoo um, uh, news portal um, was saying, "Don't worry, they're not really going to get your jobs." This is off of Fox News, and they're talking about Spanx, which um, apparently is a hu- uh, women's clothing place. Um, they have brought in a, uh, a humanoid robot named Digit uh, from a, uh, a company. Um, stands about five foot nine, can lift up 35 pounds. So we got this humanoid looking robot um, and it works in the warehouse. It performs repetitive tasks, like moves boxes or puts items, product, whatever on a conveyor belt. So it's doing jobs that humans would do. And it is in fact replacing human labor. And and here's the, here's the thing that we need to keep in mind. I think many times... You know, there's an old saying, you know, you miss the the forest for the trees. Well, the tree here is the technology, right? We see the AI system, we see the robot, whatever, and we focus on that and we forget about that business side of it. Digit, according to the company that makes it, uh, GXO Logistics, Digit costs between $10 to $12 an hour to operate. There's no benefits, there's no sick time, there's no holidays, it can work, you know, you can have shifts of them going 24 hours a day. It's a very inexpensive uh, kind of um, kind of worker. And so it is absolutely going to replace jobs. It's absurd to argue otherwise. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what's interesting about that from a theological perspective is, <clears throat> you know, a, a secularist or a humanist might think, well, if we can get to the point where humans don't have to work, that's great. That's the ideal, right? That's the utopia. But mm-hmm. in the Bible working is part and parcel to the image of God and man. God gave man a job even before the fall of man. Yeah. Work, work is not a product of sin. Work is is who we are. Adam was told to tend the garden and keep it. He was told to name the animals, all of this before the fall. So I think we are seeing yet another uh, area where Satan is dismantling the image of God and man and, and marginalizing humanity by deceiving us into thinking if we can just sit back and relax by the pool and never have to lift a finger, that's a good thing. But we're not designed that way. That's not yeah. the way we were made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it that that uh, whole utopia is coming, which is getting to be very popular. It's a popular argument. We're about to hit this age of abundance. And um, I think the opposite will happen. Uh, we will see, um, and, and you, you, I'm sure you've seen that famous thing called the, what is it, the mouse utopia? That study where mice were given, like not mice or rats, I can't remember which one, were given everything they could want. And just the way that society broke down and collapsed within the, the, the rodent world, whichever type of rodent it was, I think that's what we'd face here. Um, it, it would be horrible. Yeah. So, but yeah, bottom line is jobs are, are going to be lost. I mean, there's no way they would not be lost because businesses run on a bottom line perspective. 
Whoops, I lost your audio there. Sorry, you there? Yep. We're okay. There. Yep. All right. So, um, so yeah, uh, jobs will be lost. Just the the economics of it um, um, are, are going to force it. Um, when you can get a reasonable worker, as it were, as far as trying to replace whatever those job functions are the human did, you can replace it uh, cheaper. Maybe it's a little faster. Maybe it, you know there's less regulatory issues you got to contend with. Whatever it is, that's going to win out. Mm-hmm. All right, so our next red story here um, is, and, and JB, I think you'll find this one really interesting, um, how AI technology is being used to create digital replicas of people that are incredibly good. So um, this this article, this is a Politico, um, how there's a psychologist um, named Martin uh, Selgeman, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing that, I apologize in advance, uh, and then a, another therapist, uh, Esther Perel, um, who were, without their permission, cloned using two different AI technologies. There was a Chinese company that uh, uh, made a uh, AI version of the first one um, based upon his published works and other materials that they were able to collect online. So they trained the AI and how he operated and put it out there. And, and apparently it is a great representation of how he would do counseling. And same thing with the uh, uh, one of uh, um, uh, Esther Perel. Uh, and again, I believe that's how you pronounce that, how you should pronounce her last name. Um, and what they did with her was they scraped her podcasts hmm. and created this AI persona that gave counsel that apparently is exactly what she would have done. So, um, so when we can have technology that can, you know, I'm sure a fairly automated way if you're scraping podcast and, and using that to glean materials, we can we can create digital replicas of people. And by the way, then these had video elements to them. Um, but um, digital replicas of people that would be very hard to tell apart from the real thing. So um, so I think the interesting piece there is as we get into an election year, be very, very careful of what you, you know, think you're watching on TV. I'll put it that way or online. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be all sorts of fake news. I mean, there already is. In fact, you could argue yep. that all news is fake news, frankly. But uh, yeah, there, we're going to, we're going to see some, um, some deception. It's getting worse and worse. Second Timothy 313 tells us that, but you know, I, I really believe if you, if you, come at the picture that the Bible paints of that seven-year tribulation after the rapture, but before the second coming, uh, when the beast and false prophet, the Antichrist and false prophet are in charge, there has to be a role to play for uh, embodied AI, because, you know, the Antichrist can't be everywhere at once. He's not going to have an army big enough to, to come against, you know, God and his angelic army. Uh, so he's going to have to play this role. And I, I think, uh, you know, it's one thing for it to be used by small time uh, techno crooks who are trying to make a buck. Like we've already seen that with plagiarizing books. And, and I address some of that in my book, uh, Rise of the Global Technocracy. But, you know, this is this is deception on a global scale that I think is coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, it, you know, my opinion on, on the Antichrist and technology is the Antichrist is going to use every technology that's out there. Um, the, the the scope of this deception that's coming is such that everything's going to play a part. And also, you know, let, let's 
keep this in mind, you know, the Antichrist, when we look at that word in Greek, it's in place of Christ. You know, many times we think it's opposed to Christ or against Christ, but it's in place of, he's a false Christ. And so, so to try to simulate um, the perfections of God, Satan's going to have to leverage every kind of technology out there um, to, to pull this off. So I think AI will be one of those tools in the, in the tool set. A yeah, very, very powerful tool, but it'll just be one of the tools. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, he's he's going to have to, I like the way you said that, try to mimic all of the perceptions, uh, you know, perfections rather of God. And so, uh, yeah, Antichristos, it, it, it has both nuances. Actually, he is definitely a substitute Christ, a false Christ taking the place of, even to the point of taking the throne in the temple. I talked about that yesterday with Dr. Randall Price. Second uh, Thess 2 talks about that. Uh, Daniel talks about the abomination of desolation. So he's he's actually in the place of Christ. You're actually right. But he's also, as we know well, opposed to Christ. And that goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15 and the beginnings of that battle between the Christ child and, and Satan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and with that comment, I wasn't implying that somehow, you know, he, he's 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 good with Christ or something like that. <laughs> Just the fact that, you know, that that in place of uh, aspect to it, um, yeah. I think we're going to see all of technology leveraged. And, and it could also explain part of why the Antichrist fails um, during that is because he is going to be dependent upon technology to try to simulate um or imitate those perfections of god that technology fails so for example i could have the most powerful ai systems but if i don't have the internet for it mm. its power and its usefulness drops off exponentially mm. so there's also a fragility of course to to what satan's going to build here um at some point in the future or, or is building is what we should say and we'll see it at some point in the future there's a fragility to it. But yeah, I think every piece of technology is going to be leveraged by the Antichrist for this deception. Yeah, and to me, that's one of the biggest signs of the times is, you know, yep. the reason I wrote uh, that book is because, you know, we we're told to watch for the signs of the times. Clearly, the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work among us. That's what the first two volumes were all about. And then as I started thinking about the role of the false prophet, I'm thinking, if he's going to do what the Bible says he's going to do, you know, he's almost there. I mean, we, we've already got technological systems in place that could actually help him accomplish what the Bible says he's going to do as he serves at the behest of the Antichrist and oversees this uh, full-spectrum global planetary control grid. So, yeah, it's an exciting time to be alive, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that most of the tools that would be needed to, to pull off this deception are either already available or we're very, very close. We're talking 90 plus percent. Wow. You know, there. Not that those percentages are always linear from a time standpoint. You know, that last 10% can take you much longer than the first 90% as far as engineering tasks go. But but I think we're really, really close. Very interesting. All right. So this last one um isn't so much um a single um article or or or, or story, but it's just something that we need to make sure that we understand, be aware of, um, and start trying to come up with some good countermeasures within our, our families for. So the um, there's a there's a explosion of the cyber virtual kidnapping scams, um, and these virtual kidnapping scams are nothing new. They actually first emerged in the '90s um, out from um, 
if I remember correctly, it was gangs in Mexico. Um, and then uh, as of, of late, and of course it didn't use AI and stuff back then, it was um, other techniques, but um, it's grown, it's morphed and it's been digitized and frankly weaponized by uh, Chinese cyber gangs um, where they will do one of two things. One is they're able to socially engineer or manipulate people into doing things for them. So um, there's been a, a a growing issue of cyber gangs um, contacting, it looks like uh, Chinese nationals living abroad, typically students off at university, and pretend impersonate the Chinese police. And they scare the person, say, look, here's what we're going to do. You're going to, um, you're going to have to go hide someplace. You're going to take pictures showing yourself being tied up. You're going to send these photos to us so we can get them to your family um, and, and pay a ransom. They're going to, you know, they, they talk the person into faking their own kidnapping and supplying the materials to, to, uh, kid, to, to, to get their family members to pay a ransom to the cyber gang. And um, and so and, and that is being done again, not directly through AI, um, but by using technology to make that person think that a much more powerful agency, the Chinese government, is demanding this. But what's happened? Um, and, and by the way, that um, this isn't something that's just happened once. You know, a few years ago, and we're all making a big uh, deal out of it. Uh, recently, I think this was New Year's Eve in Utah. There was a 17-year-old Chinese exchange student who had that very same thing happen to him, and his parents paid $80,000 to the cyber gang. I'm not realizing that the kid was ever being held, but he was brainwashed and sent these fake pictures or these pictures of himself being tied up. Mm. But um, but in, in Australia, in 2020, um, the police there noticed a surge in reports on reports of these kind of cyber... Uh, kidnappings that was that they estimate resulted in over 2.6 million dollars of of scammed money scammed ransoms paid for these people so um and and and, and that same thing was occurring it was chinese cyber gangs um convincing chinese nationals that there was a problem with their visa or whatever they're going to be arrested unless they paid money mm. so um so what what I've seen recently, not in the wild, but um, so, some people showing demonstrations of being able to have an AI that talks to, um, or, or, you know, could be the AI, could be a person also at this point, talks to the loved ones of somebody. Like I might say, I'm going to scam you, JB. So I do some research on you. I get pictures of your wife um, and I send a message to you saying, hey, um, I've been kidnapped, I need this money, whatever. Um, and if you ask for proof of life, like, okay, I need this, I need to have a video of you saying, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance, or as holding up a sign saying whatever, JB, it's really me, something like that, um, that you would think couldn't be faked. Well, the AI will do that. And it came up with some very convincing photographs, including the person holding up a, a sign looked handwritten stating what, you know, what they were asked to produce. Mm. Um, and so we are, 
we are here um, at a point to where you cannot trust your eyes or your ears. Um, you will see pictures that look very convincing. Um, and some of the, the, the things that we thought we could do to authenticate a picture like that, for example, I need you to hold up a sign saying whatever, um, they can do it and get it back to you in just seconds. Yeah. Right. Okay, I can generate that so quickly. We could have faked those in the past, but you had to have a graphic artist there. They had to get, you know, put together photo in Photoshop and this, that, and the other. Well, now you can just generate that photo in real time in whatever setting you want. And now if it's, if the AI is solid enough to where you can have these fake handwritten messages or fake voices that sound just like the person, we're, we're not in a good spot. Um, this is going to be very, very uh, deceptive. So many people are going to be harmed by it. So one of the things, oh, here, here's a here's another variation of that. Um, this one happened last year, just a little over a year ago. Um, a man in Houston, his phone was hacked and the cyber criminals went through it, got all of his information and then faked a call um, from his mom's number, which they got from his hacked phone. Um, and were able to convince him that she was being um, held hostage and to be harmed unless he transferred $900 by Venmo. So just one of those immediate kind of transactions, which he quickly did. And um, turns out uh, he, a few minutes later, he contacted his brother saying, hey, don't panic. Mom's been kidnapped, but I've taken care of it. I've paid the ransom. Well, mom was upstairs at his brother's house sleeping. You know, there were no issues here. So this is a very real issue. Um, and again, as these multimodal AI models increase in their abilities, as the hardware gets better and we see more efficiency, um, this problem will get worse. So so what I'd like to do is take just a few minutes and discuss some, some easy countermeasures um, that people can Im implement to try to become more resistant to this scam. I'm not going to say that... Um, these things can't be fooled uh, that, you know, that we won't have to come up with other countermeasures later. Um, but, but this will get us going for now. Yeah. And so before, before you get to that, let me just piggyback on what you're saying. You know, as technology gets better and better and better, obviously, as you've pointed out, that means, you know, we can accomplish things in life for good that we've never been able to accomplish before. But remember, there is a dark side. There is an enemy, and he has human accomplices, and they will take that same technology to do horrific things. And certainly, this type of scam of deception in and of itself is nothing new. I, we saw a movie over the uh, holidays. Uh, I think it was called Bee, The Beekeeper or Beekeepers. But anyway, the premise was uh, these big warehouses of phone scammers that that hack into your system, take control of your computer, make you think you've got a virus, call this number right away. You call the number and essentially they end up you know, wiping you out of all your, your finances. And they prey on the weak and and the you know the unsuspecting, but I think the the more sophisticated deception becomes the then all of us are at risk. I mean, you know, we we've got to really do what First John four one says. You know, test the spirits. Um, you know, and 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 it's so easy not only because of AI, but because I believe of a lot of the other 
mainstream methodologies that they're using now in uh, you know cybersecurity to where they really can you know mimic somebody because you're giving them you know what's your favorite flavor of ice cream who was your best friend in the second grade well who was your favorite teacher in junior high school you know what is your sister's middle name you know that kind of stuff we're giving them all of that information so yeah i'd be very interested in some countermeasures uh that that we might be able to take in these great last days of deception absolutely and 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 to you know further what you're saying again as these tools get better we will very quickly see the ability of a system that in real time can generate not only um, verbiage that sounds like something you or I might say, um, not only can it imitate our voices, you know, collect samples that, like you pointed out, we provide online, we put on Facebook or wherever, um, videos of ourselves, um, and that ability to generate video in real time. Mm -hmm. These scams will be an unbelievable issue because yeah, you so just know what to believe. You think you're, you know, you're proving them wrong because you go, well, show me a picture of, you know, my mom holding this sign that says, you know, abracadabra. And you're thinking, well, there's no way they could have predicted I was going to ask that. So there's no way they could have had that prepared in advance. But with AI, they don't need it prepared in advance. They can instantly do what you've asked them to do. And then you go, oh, wow, she must really be there, you know? Yeah, it, it was the, the demo I saw was um, was very, very good mm. um, in that. Oh, no, this is horrific sort of sense. Oh. Um, so so some possible countermeasures. And again, you know, these are subject to change. Seriously, a month ago, I would have had some other items on this list that I can't put on there any longer. Mm. OK, because the, the technology has already overcome that. So the first one is just good communication within your family. Know where people are. Um, and related to that, um, most everybody has a, a smartphone nowadays. So get some sort of location tracking app on it, Life360 or Google Maps. Um, and so one of the things you can do is if you know where that phone is, um, it gives you some some additional data that can maybe test whether or not that text you got or that phone call is legit. So, for example, I think of the case of that 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 man who was scammed um, when he got the fake call from his mom. Um, well, if he had had location tracking apps on there, he could say, "Hang on, where's mom?" Okay, at my brother's house. He could have called the brother, slowed down just a little bit, and and verified what was going on and not fallen prey to the scam. Um, as a matter of fact, something that was common in most of these stories I've read is that in virtually every case, there might have been one or two where it wasn't the case, but um, where the person who supposedly had been kidnapped, they were at a normal known location, um, sometimes upstairs in their own home, asleep in bed. Um, and and so, um, so knowing where people are, that good communication, uh, having location tracking apps enabled that can give you some more information. Um, and then finally, you have to have a way to authenticate yourselves. Um, so used to the photo was enough, right? There, there was, um, you know, we've seen uh, moves. Even, even a movie came out years ago called Proof of Life. You know, that thing, I need to see a picture before we pay the, the ransom here. Well, that's out the window. Um, speech, well, that's out the window. They can fake that in real time now. Um, video is out the window. So the only 
countermeasure right now that I can think would be solid, and it's also free, which is nice, is to come up with a passphrase. So it can be anything. It could be uh, the lyrics from a song. It could be a Bible verse. It could be something. Um, and in general, the longer, the better for a passphrase. I mean, by the way, same thing works for passwords for your computers. I'd recommend moving to passphrases because complexity doesn't really keep you safe. It's the length of that password that keeps you safe because it's harder to guess. Um, so, so something here, don't just say, I want my passphrase to be John 316. Um, you know, not not a horrible passphrase, but because uh, there's so many things it could be, but I would I would go further. I would I would actually um memorize a Bible verse. Um, or it could be something else that's that's familiar to you. And one of the key things is you don't put that information out anywhere. Um, you meet together with your family, and you know, I would have it written out on a piece of paper, handwritten, and communicate it that way. And you have to memorize it. And so that if there's a, and everybody's, and you have to reinforce this, this approach constantly. So if, if I'm ever kidnapped and I have to send you a message, you know, for the $500 in gift cards or whatever the scam is, um, I need to tell you that passphrase. And that passphrase is how I authenticate myself to you. And, and it also requires the people that are a part of this group that know that passphrase, right? So like your family members to understand that if, even if I tell you, look, I'm so panicked, I can't remember it. Please just send it that I don't send it. Right. Okay. Now, uh, because that's exactly how you get exploited in that kind of setting. Now that is such an excellent advice. And, and I've, I think you and I have talked about it before and I've heard it in other contexts. Uh, but you know, Obviously, as you said, it's not the kind of thing that you get on a text chat group and say, hey, what's our passphrase going to be? And you text it and put it out there. It's got to be something that is completely offline. You don't talk about it. You don't mention it. In fact, you know, I I'm so paranoid of, of the conspiracy, the grand conspiracy that you know, I wonder about even talking about it with your family. Like, say, you got together around the holidays and you decide to come up with this. I mean, what if you've got, you know, Siri or Alexa or whatever? I mean, it, it's picked up. So, I mean, it's almost like you need to go out into a field somewhere and whisper it in each other's ear, but make sure it's something that you'll never forget and that only you would know. And then you've got to steel yourself to have the resolve that unless they say that, you know, the the, the alleged victim says that passphrase, you, you, you don't comply. You know that this is a scam. Absolutely. And, and that's, and that would be gut wrenching. You know, if you had to make that choice, well, they didn't know the passphrase, so I'm not going to send the money. Um, but but you have to have that. It's not just, you know, that that for it to work, not just the passphrase um, that, that's not posted online. It's not anywhere. Um, but also that trust in the process that um, if somebody doesn't know the passphrase, which is why you got to choose it carefully and choose something that can be remembered underneath a stressful situation. So, so don't try to whip out the Gettysburg Address unless that's what your family's just into and you all know it. But even then, I'd be worried about that, right? If I don't want it to also be something that I'm I'm publicly identified with, right? To where I might be able to cut down the number of guesses from, you know, virtually anything down to some specific subject. But you know, think of something that's you know not a simple thing like John three sixteen, um, a little bit longer that you can memorize verbatim 
um, and that can be remembered in a stressful situation. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, what, that's the only counter right now that I can think of. Oh, that's a powerful one. And I, I highly recommend that. In fact, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a must really for this day and age. And there are a lot of other applications of it, not just in a scenario where you're, you know, being threatened or taken advantage of, um, you know, uh, you know, you, you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could really need something, right? You could, you could have broken down on the side of the road, like our family with, you know, six children and five adults and five adult children and people traveling here and there and coming to and fro, they could break down and say, Hey dad, could you Venmo me, you know, money? And they really need it. Well, in that case, if they give the passphrase, I know it's legit and I get, I give it to them. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Now, now once that passphrase is used, you can't reuse it. Okay. Yeah. One so it's a one-time password. One-time password. <laughs> now, back to something else you said related to this, and that was actual passwords for for like computer stuff, digital stuff. Um, you, you mentioned passphrase, but a lot of them, it seemed like they require a weird character or a number yeah. or a, so. I it's mean, how do, you, how do you get around that? Bad. Yeah, it's bad thinking. If, if that's what a, a, a company's enforcing. So like, let's say you... Uh, have um, a Microsoft uh, 365 account. Um, they're going to require at least eight characters, one uppercase letter, one lowercase letter, a number, um, special character. You know, they're going to have this complexity rule. Well, complexity is great if your attacker is a human. Hmm. Okay, complexity beats me up. But if you're trying to stop a brute force attack, which is where a computer is used to guess every possible password. Um, complexity doesn't exist because the computer only understands ones and zeros. So the letter A is just as complex as the at sign or whatever special character you want. Mm. It's all ones and zeros. So what happens is when you look at the kind of math that's involved in a brute force attack, um, where, where it's truly guessing, right? There's some other... Um, brute force uh, approaches that are a little bit different, but where it's truly guessing all the combinations, um, length is the only thing that matters because every character you add to that password or passphrase, whatever you want to call it, um, doubles the number of guesses that are needed. So if you had a passphrase of, you know, YX79 exclamation mark J, uh, Q. I'll go throw one more letter there. Um, I'm guessing in just a matter of hours we could brute force attack that password, um, guess it through through just guessing all the combinations. But if you had a password that was the sentence, including spaces, just like you'd see it in a book, um, uh, my cat is named Sylvester. Um, I'm guessing that is thousands of centuries to brute force. Really, simply the length. Mm. It's just length. So, um, so the reason why you see, in, in my opinion, you see companies like Microsoft uh, require complex passwords is just because it gives them certain legal protection. It doesn't really make it any more secure. Um, it'd be much more secure if you required 15 characters minimum and move people into typing in sentences. Huh. So uh, much more secure. So I that totally makes sense. Uh, so, but. What what do you do? Because I don't. I think almost every password I've had to put in requires you know all these special characters and this and that. So it won't allow you to put in a sentence in that case. Yeah, I would. I would 
So what I would do in a case like that is, uh, and, and this is what I do personally, I, I use a password manager. Um, so like there's an excellent product called Bitwarden, B-I-T Warden, like the uh, policing person, um, Bitwarden. And um, in that, you it's a, it's a program that you install. Uh, all, all your data is encrypted. Um, and, and it's able to read what's on your page, on your computer or on your phone. And you can associate with certain websites usernames and passwords. And so what I do is I actually generate just a long random password. Um, and there's one long password that I have to be able to remember. And so I use a passphrase for that. And that's the master program for the Bitwarden application. And so I'm browsing the web and I come to a website, I need to log in. A little box will pop up letting me know that Bitwarden has a matching username and password for that website. And I can just press a button and have it enter it for me. And so the only password I have to remember is that one long passphrase. And I don't tell that to anybody, right? That's not written down. It's just something I can remember. And then for all those websites, I just generate long random passwords um, because it's going to be the one to enter it for me. I'm not retyping that. I don't have to copy and paste it. It'll just enter it for me. Right. Once I the button. So and that Bitwarden, that's a good, that's a good suggestion. And I'm, I get that. We, I use something similar called a, a RoboForm, yeah, same yeah. Idea, master password. And then I generate these complex, you know, sometimes 10, 12 characters long. But my point is, you're, you know, even using Bitwarden, a brute force attack is still going to be able to break that long, random, complex password, right? Yeah, but so it's not that it's the complexity. The point I'm trying to make here is all the stuff about uppercase letter, lowercase letter, a number, special, you know, that doesn't matter to the computer. It's, you know, that was old thinking. Um, and I, frankly, I'm baffled by the companies that require it. What would be much better is just require a, you know, 20 character password. Okay. Not about complexity at all. But when you're using a program like Bitwarden or RoboForm or, or whatever you're, you're choosing to use, go ahead and just generate random ones. The advantage there, because what you don't want to do is have one really good passphrase and you use it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Because if that website, that one website out there gets compromised, they have your credentials probably for other ones. So use a password manager, make it long, go ahead and make it random because you don't care because it's, you know, the, the, the program's going to enter it for you. And in the event that one of those websites is compromised, you just go change that one website, that, excuse me, that one password because at all the other websites are using a different password. So the key and, is, is length is what you're right, saying. Yeah. And, and so, so that's what, you know, we've not been doing is, uh, is we use the, the random generator and, uh, I've gotten to where all of my stuff now, it's just, I randomly generate a password yeah. for my software. Uh, and, and I usually have been making it the required link. So whether that's eight characters or 10 characters, or I even had one recently that was 12 characters, what you're, what you're saying is make it 20 characters. And because uh, it doesn't or, matter, or not try to remember it, or longer, or longer. Um, yeah, the the uh, here we, this will be a little bit boring, but I'm going to pull up something on screen. Um, this is a um, um, you can go to a website GRC. It stands for Gibson Research Corporation. Uh, he's this guy. It's been around in the computer world for a long time. Really smart guy. He has a a, a free little service on on the website called Password Haystack, <clears throat> and you just go in here. And you can enter a password. So I'm going to, let's do some random looking password. Um, so I'm putting in a eight character password. It's the letter 
the, the number eight, lowercase SKLJ, uppercase D, at sign percent. Okay, so that would, if we're at Microsoft, <clears throat> putting in that as a password, they say that's a good, strong password. So on this site, he is guessing that if we had a uh, um, massive cracking array where, where you have just hundreds, maybe thousands of computers trying to brute force attack this, um, you could pass, crack that in 1.2 minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, if you had a fast offline attack scenario, so you don't have as many computers, as fewer computers, it's 18, almost 19 hours. And um, and then if you had just like a, a real basic home computer just trying to brute force it, it's going to be very resistant. It's 2,000 centuries, okay? Hmm. So, but let me, let me put in a sentence like, um, my cat is named Bob, okay? It's just, my cat is named Bob with spaces. Um, the fastest attack they're estimating is 14 trillion centuries. Wow, wow. Simply, simply due to length. Wow, so what's the name of that website, grc.com? Yeah, grc.com and look for password haystacks. And there's a few few other companies that have a similar tool. Now they will produce different numbers because you're having to make assumptions in uh, the number of guesses per second and and, and so forth. But um, so so don't get hung up when you look at these different sites on. Well, hang on, this one says that it's you know 14 trillion centuries, and this other one only says it's nine million centuries. You know, at, at some point it doesn't matter, right? It, it's it's an academic. It's it's really interesting for academics. And for engineers, um, but from your my standpoint, it doesn't matter. So, so the moral of the story is length is not length. Is better than complexity. Length is better than complexity when it comes to this kind of approach. Yeah. Wow. So that's all. That's that's excellent stuff. But back to the main point was that you need to have a private phrase that only your family and loved ones know you don't want it printed anywhere you certainly don't want it digitized in any sense on on your on, on texting or emailing or anything like that but it's got to be something that everybody knows knows with precision will not forget and that is your sort of safeguard to differentiate fiction from reality in part yes in part of my and, and you and and again the communication of the actual passphrase is offline, never spoken of, never photographed anything. Mm. Um, I'm good talk personally. I'm good talking about it in front of my devices because um, the security doesn't come from them not knowing um, that you're doing this. The security comes from making sure everybody knows it and doesn't record it anywhere, and we don't reuse it if it's ever used. It's a one-time password. Mm. Wow. Well, Shane, man, that was great stuff. Uh, that was, uh, you know, that the last 15 minutes were, were worth the price of admission. Uh, now, of course, it's free to listen to this podcast, but, <laughs> but I would have paid for it. I would have actually paid for it just because of what you shared in the last 15 minutes. So uh, great stuff today. Uh, we've got you scheduled again in a couple of weeks here. So we'll, if we're still here, Lord willing, we'll see what uh, developments have come up since then. But any closing thoughts as we wrap up? No, just, you know, this is going to be, um, I think, just from a where we are with where technology is heading, um, 2024 is going to be a really interesting year. Next couple of years, 2024, 2025, are going to be a, a whiplash. 
Um, we're all going to be in shock over uh, some of what's coming. And then when you put it in the envelope of prophecy, uh, get ready. Wow. A whiplash year. I like that. I mean, I don't like it, but that's a good, uh, an apt description, I think. Well, folks, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, remember, as we started out with that in-your-face reminder to Satan that the Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. So it may sound like doom and gloom, but it's not doom and gloom for those who know the Lord Jesus. And hopefully there's been a time in your life that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin. Uh, so you don't have to pay it. Uh, you can receive the free gift of payment on your behalf and have at that moment, the moment you place your faith in Jesus, uh, the hope of eternal life, never to be lost again. So I hope that if you've not trusted in Christ for salvation, you'll do that today. If you have, then uh, the doom and gloom is all on Satan's part. He knows what awaits him. He doesn't believe it, but he'll find out sure enough someday that uh, his uh, destiny is sealed, uh, and it's the lake of fire where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So folks, uh, be encouraged today. Uh, take to heart some of this practical advice that uh, our friend Shane has given us, and uh, you know, stay in touch with us at Not By Works. Uh, remember, if you want to watch the video, of uh, today's podcast or any of our podcasts, you can consider subscribing to our premier uh, membership and uh, learn more about that at notbyworks.org. God bless you, everyone. We will talk again tomorrow. We got Randy on tomorrow, so hold on to your hat. World Events Update with Randy tomorrow. God bless.